0: A quick recap, uh, we have gone through up to this point quite a bit of material and I want to let you know that the messages are on the website if you go looking for them. I did have to dig a little bit, but if you go you know, by date, I found them. So if you want to go back to a message, it is, they are up there. Um, and I'm gonna to refer to a few of them here. We start off by this, by talking about what is discipleship. When we say discipleship in our mission statement, when we say it about it this on our Sunday mornings and our care groups, what do we mean by that? And, and I'll just, again, we're gonna keep saying it. We're, when we say discipleship, it can mean a lot of things. It's a broad term here. It means purposeful friendship that does spiritual good to someone so that he or she will grow to be more like Christ, where your friendship has a direct purposeful impact in their growth to make them more like Christ. A definition helps us. It helps us not be too narrow. It also puts us on the hook for things far beyond just that Tuesday morning meeting that we may think of. And so I think it's healthy. We talked about who should disciple, who should be discipling, who should be discipled, and we realize that that is also a wider audience. When we look at Scripture, there is a calling for everybody who is in the body of Christ to participate in in the part where the body causes the body to get stronger. You are part of the body. We talked about everyone is a counselor, and in that regard, our ability to disciple or model or affect people, we're always giving input. Whether you're a parent talking to your your kids, uh, whether you're uh, a friend that somebody asks for an opinion, we're giving input all the time. But the difference is that some of us are really good counselors, and some of us are really bad counselors, and really most of us are probably in between somewhere, where we're trying our best. But the question is: Is are we doing a good job with our purpose and our mission statement, which is to disciple people, to glorify God in every aspect in their lives? And in that regard, uh, my role just I think it was on week three gave us a. A great construct, a great matrix on how to evaluate our own cons- our, our own counseling, our own ability to direct people toward truth and encourage them well, and whether and whether or not how we do that is more worldly and more temporal or whether it has eternal value. That was on week three. If you go back and listen to that, I was encouraged again this week as I wished to build on part of that. I listened to it, so it was a a good one to look back to. And then the last two weeks, we zeroed in on the, the topic of sanctification. If we're going to help people change, we have to understand, we have to have a good theology, a good understanding of what is our hope for change in. I think many of the disappointments that we have in trying to change in any capacity, whether we think it's a spiritual thing or not, we don't compartmentalize, but we know that some things seem more spiritual, and some things seem more just regular everyday life. It is all spiritual, and so we need to understand what is our hope for change in. And so the last two weeks, we've zeroed in on the the topic of sanctification. The work that Christ did on the cross, what does that have to do with our ability to change? The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, working, what hope does that give And so we zeroed in on the theology of that from Romans 6. Aaron last week gave us a very good practical walkthrough of Ephesians 4, the putting off. What does it look like to put off the old man, recognize the old man in the moment, put off, renew our thinking, and put on the new man that is being made in the likeness of Christ? It was a great challenge, and I hope it was refreshing, even as a passage that's um, quite familiar. Well, today... We want to zero on how to practically get into some practical application of what does that look like? If I want a purpose to build spiritual friendships, intentionally for the purpose of doing spiritual good, how? what are some things that we can maybe try to grow in, uh, try to do? Um, it's a really wide topic, That's, this is, encompasses all of the Christian life I think in some regard. But what we'd like to zero in on are three important practices, if you have your handout, and they are asking good questions, listening and observing well, and discerning biblically. This actually has application in every type of interaction that you have, and so it sounds very general. So let's get into, start walking through some of those. Um, I did want to draw attention to Ephesians 4 one more time. If you have your Bibles and turn to Ephesians 4, This is where Aaron left us off. I wanted to back up to verses 13 through 16 and just consider one element of what we mean by discipleship one more time. I'm just gonna jump right into 13. Talks about building up the body of Christ to maturity. And here it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, this is a goal, of God equipping the church, okay? Toward maturity that that every man would press toward maturity to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, this is our calling, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by, every, by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Actually, all of chapter 4 is pretty pertinent to the topic this morning and at hand of this entire series. But one key phrase that I was keying off of this week and, and growing in my thinking about was our part of the body that is to be speaking the truth in love. We're called, in verse 15, to grow up in all aspects in Christ. There's no opportunity to stay in our immature thinking that is unstable, easy to be swayed. We are to grow up in all aspects in Christ. And and it's interesting here that there's an element here that we, corporately, the body play, and that is to be speaking the truth in love, speaking into each other's lives, helping take what we know factually and working it out into our lives, much like Paul talks about... um, in, in Philippians 2, um, although <laughs> I am getting ahead of myself here, but the working out of truth. We've been given this amazing salvation. We've been given this reconciliation with God. We've been given truth, not things that are true, but truth because it's from the actual source of he who created it. How do we then work this out into daily life so I know what it looks like? Well, we get to speak into, speak truth to each other. That's not reserved for the, just the pastors and just the counselors and just the psychologists of the world. This is the body of Christ. We, the body, play an important role in sanctification in each other's lives that we would grow up in all aspects. Um, let's just, for the sake of time, I'm going to dig into these. This is not a process, it's not a five step thing, but I. These, these three aspects help us to grow in this type of discipleship. By the way, I, I think there's a clarification here. I had someone come and say, hey, this isn't like the stuff you're talking about. Is not like discipleship curriculums and other discipleship things I've heard of before. Um, and they brought up some very, very important things. You know, the discipleship curriculum I've seen focuses in on how to read your Bible and how to pray and teaching somebody how to fast and how to journal and how to evangelize. Uh, hey, those are, those are absolutely critical. We clearly believe in the importance of training and educating each other, in that. that is discipleship too. This is why um, we had a Sunday school class before the uh, summer series. It was entirely dedicated to spiritual disciplines and how to bring other people along in those. So that is an element of it. But what we're talking about here is another aspect of discipleship, which is the life-on-life discipleship. It's the, how do you train somebody to live between the times that they're reading their Bible and they're praying and they're doing those things? So they go to work. They have jobs. They have marriages. They're students. They have friends. They have roommates. How do you live in those circumstances? And who's going to speak into that with the same truth that I'm going to be reading here, but I honestly don't know what it looks like because it hasn't been modeled to me. That's this type of discipleship that we're excited to grow in as well as training in the important spiritual disciplines. And you can all play an important role in that. So, three important practices for effective discipling that apply in all these scenarios, and I'm just gonna go through these. They won't be comprehensive. Please ask questions, and if we don't have time today because this will be a very full (laughs) outline to get through, uh, come talk about it. Talk to each other about it. If nothing else, this I hope this does that. So, ask good questions. It is important that if we're going to learn how to speak truth to each other and into each other's lives, that we learn to ask questions and listen well and discern well. By the way, these aren't in order. These are always happening in many regards. So I want to just take one aspect. What's the role of asking good questions if you purpose to develop relationships that have an intentional spiritual aspect, you're allowed to go there. You're allowed to talk about spiritual things. You're invited to do so. How do you build? How do you start? Maybe you've got friendships that um, that don't go there naturally, and you'd like to. You'd like to be obedient to play this role. So part of that element is asking good questions. So I've got three categories here that, that we can consider this morning. One, questions that seek to truly know and understand the person. I know this sounds really obvious. This is gonna be true with any type of relationship. But if you're gonna be a friend with somebody, please, you don't wanna start with just all your factoids. That's not loving, that's not caring at all. Um, so we, we definitely do wanna start by asking questions that truly know and understand a person. Let me, let me give you an example. So, um, you need to, if you're going to purposely build a friendship where you're allowed to go to spiritual places in your discussion, uh, you want to care for them, you want them to care for you, you need to make sure that you do not make assumptions about them, and we all do this, we all jump to conclusions, but if you're gonna care for somebody, love somebody, Know how to care for them. Know how to help love them in the circumstance that they're in. It's important not to jump conclusions about things, about like what they believe, what they think, how they think about things, what their motives are behind some of the behaviors that they have or the responses that they have. So ask questions to get to know them. Make a point to learn about who they are, what they like, dislike what they think about things, how they think about things in life, what their lifestyle is like, what they do with their time. Get to know and understand their personality about their history, family life, background, things like that. If you don't know them well, you can certainly still spur them on in Christ. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. not saying don't get into spiritual conversations with people you don't know. I do it all the time, and they're profitable often as long as they're receptive to it. But what I'm saying is if you want to build a discipleship-like relationship, please don't get so caught up on your agenda of your questions and your, and your curriculum that you don't know them, get to know them, spend time with them. So, so start there, and this is a biblical principle, but we're gonna move on to this next piece too so that we can start seeing how that fits in. The next part, get, to know, get uh, questions that direct conversation to Christ and spiritual matters. Um, this, is a, this, is the, this is the part where, <laughs> say you um, have a relationship that tends to talk a lot about work. Friendship that talks about baseball. Um, and now you want to say, I mean, you, you know them pretty well. Or maybe it's somebody that you recently met, but you'd like to invite an opportunity to get, to get going on that. What are some good questions that you can ask in, in, in kind ways to direct conversations to the things of Christ and spiritual matters? Well, first of all, not everybody may want to go there, so just be aware of that. But um, if, if you want, you can start uh, by asking questions that are, you know, let's consider some easy ones um, for any situation, even people you may not know very well. If you're out here in the, in the foyer and you meet somebody and you've only interacted with them a few times, but you wanna kinda of see, is this somebody that I can engage this way? Would they like that? Would they think that's caring? Can I model that well for my church? Um, what are some questions you can ask? I get asked this question all the time, by the way. Uh, how do I start that question? So this is just a practical start. One of my favorite and most universal ones, if they're here, they they likely claim Christ. They're here for Christian reasons. It's a little bit different than when you're at work and maybe don't know that. But if they're here um, and you engage a question with someone and it just doesn't end up there, one of the most universal ones, and please, these aren't gimmicks. These are ideas, okay? Use them as such, caring. But what about just saying, hey, how can I pray for you this week? that's That's a universally caring, engaging, and even low bar for anybody who claims Christ. And by the way, for some people that don't, I've asked that, hey, I, I wanna, I've am gonna. i even told people, hey, I'm gonna pray for you about that. I don't know if you pray, but I'm gonna pray for you about that. I've done that in secular environments and everybody's usually encouraged by that. I'm not pressing it on them. But here, that's fellowship right there. And now you've just opened the door for if they want, they can say, yeah, here's really something I've been thinking about. If they're caught off guard, Offer something they can pray for you about. Get some conversation going, but that's a universal one. How about this one? Um, maybe you have seen them around and you know, you've know you seen them in Sunday school class and you're talking. You can, you can ask, what has God been uh, teaching you recently? Or uh, what have you been encouraged by recently in, in what you've been learning here? Or, what did you think about that message? It's not hard. I know this isn't rocket science and most of you are looking at me like, uh, I know this. The reason I'm saying it is that it is so easy to get into other conversations, even in our care groups. We, we compartmentalize, this is in the service, or this is in the study time in our care group, and this is our friendship over here. And if, that's, if you've been caught in those relationships, or you've got people that put you in those relationships, just start inviting them in with simple conversations like that. These are questions that direct conversation to Christ and spiritual matters. It just opens the door in the conversation. I'd, I'd love to actually, I was planning, uh, I'd love to take, you guys have great ideas on this. I know people in this room that are really awesome at engaging people, but I'm gonna invite you if, you're, if that's not your, your strong suit, if that's not something you have a lot of experience in, start with some of those basics and ask some of the people in this room, some others. What about people that are in your care group? If you're in a care group is a good example. You've already known them. You already know what they're there for. You, you understand a little bit of them. You, you can probably go a little bit further. You're talking about, sporting KC, or you're talking about some news event, and it's been going on for a while, and you really wanna, I'd love to try to fellowship with this person. Maybe you're both thinking it. Here's some of my favorite questions that I, I, I tend to gravitate toward. I don't word them this way all the time, and again, these aren't gimmicks. These are not a, a check, check, check thing. But these are ideas. But with someone I'm more familiar with or have a friendship with, I, may, I might just jump in and say, hey, what are you reading right now that's helping you grow? in your affection for the Lord. What's, I mean, I, I need that. Chair. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Or what is God's word, or how is God's word making its way into application in your life right now? Where are you seeing the most application kind of rub right now? Th- that just starts good conversation. Chances are you're going to be able to relate with them in this, right? Well, you know, I'm just working on my discipline on, ooh, yeah, man, I can, I can hear, hear you on that. I can engage on that. In fact, can you pray for me as well and I'll pray for you on that because praying consistently is hard when I'm busy or whatever. How about what areas of growth have you identified in your own spiritual life? What's one area that you need to grow in? I love that one for people that I know. Just right now, what's the thing that you're, because I, I can pray for you on that. I might not have even thought of it myself. Maybe I need the same thing. What's one area of growth? You see how you're inviting? I mean, that's jumping right in. Um, I'm going to give a few more, but let me mention one more thing, particularly if these aren't people that you know. It can be really uncomfortable to walk up to someone you've never known, and they're new. Maybe they're a visitor to the church, (laughs) and you don't know whether they're even a, a believer at this point, maybe they're just seeking and wondering what this is all about. It can be really uncomfortable to come up and ask them a question, like, what are you studying in God's word right now? They may not even know how to answer that question, okay? Or what can I pray for you about right now? They may not even know. If you, if you don't know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say shy away from that. I, I would be very cautious about caring for people in this way because you're wanting to build a relationship with them and know what's appropriate, but here's, here's one of the things I do Maybe instead of saying that, I, I, I may just share, like it's after a service, and we get into a long conversation about, oh, that's where you work, I, I, I worked there, and this is kind of how I, you know, oh, I do this type of work, oh, well, what else, You, you know, tell me about your family, we're getting to know each other, and before it's done, I may just say, hey, I, I read something this morning. I'll model the question before I ask it so they know kind of what I'm talking about. Hey, by the way, this is something I'm praying about this week, about work, that we were just talking about. This is how I pray for that. And by the way, I could probably pray the same thing for you. So I didn't quite ask the question, but I opened it, and then I say, hey, how could I pray for you? And they can just say, yeah, that. Does that make sense? Model the question if you're not certain that they understand that. Hey, I want to share something I read this morning in First John. it was so encouraging to me. Mind if I share it with you? I'm just, I'm trying to process it, work it out into my week this week. Share it. By the way, is there anything that you've been encouraged about recently? You know what, even if they have no idea what to say in that moment, they were encouraged by you, and you asked a question that directed conversation to spiritual matters and opened the door for that to continue. And next time you meet them, you can ask the question, and maybe they'll feel a little bit more comfortable to, to engage. A couple of other questions that I've, I've kind of gravitated to, again, I was, it was weird to try to word these because I don't actually write them out ever. But in case it helps, um, have you been? Um, uh, how have you been intentionally beholding the glory and beauty of the Lord this week? That's a weird one to start off with sometimes, but if it's a friend who knows you, just ask. Do you realize that not only does that direct conversation to Rich, like, "Oh, let me," but but it causes them to go, "Wow, let me think. I don't know. Maybe I haven't been intentionally trying to behold." The glory, wonder, beauty, majesty of the Lord this week. Maybe I haven't been putting things in, my, in front of my eyes to do that. But it's a good leading question for the following week. So these are conversations of the type of questions that could be useful. Again, just practical, trying to throw some ideas out there to spur on ideas on how we as the body could be engaging people with questions, conversations. Uh, Do it in the hall here, do it in your care groups, do it after the service, maybe tonight, you know, come a little early. Um, And you know what, it's okay if someone looks at you and says, oh, you're using that question (laughs) that Chris talked about. That's okay, you're both trying to, you know the goal, right? The goal isn't to stump somebody. The goal is like, yeah, now we've got this free-flowing conversation about spiritual matters and I can ask you questions, you can ask me questions. But that builds over time. So first one was questions that truly seek to know and understand the person so you can understand and carry them. Second category that I kind of see is just questions that try to direct the conversation. If it doesn't naturally go there, how can I grace, grace, uh, graciously and gracefully steer the conversation to those things and invite it? And if it just if it goes over like a lead balloon and doesn't go anywhere, psh, you know, try again some other time or find someone who's, who's really receptive to that right now and don't, don't be critical or judgmental about it but try to steer it. If we're going to be a a congregation of people that's building spiritual friendships for the purpose of doing good, we have to start those. We have to create a path for those, and we can all play a part in inviting those. This last one, is it sounds similar. Questions that direct toward biblical thinking. Questions that direct toward biblical thinking. Um, Let let me be a little bit more specific about what I'm getting at here. Um, What if you've got a friend that is talking about life and their circumstances and they're thinking about it in a way that doesn't line up with how God sees it or how Scripture teaches us to think about um, themselves, their circumstances, about God, about others in their lives? Um, Your goal is, is to be that spiritual friend that helps them renew their thinking, right? It could be just a passing comment, by the way. They they may not actually be bringing an issue to you, but your friend comes and, and makes a passing comment about their boss being hard to work with or being a jerk. Now, again, please, this is not an invitation to be hypercritical. All of this, if you remember speaking the truth in love, that entire premise is you are, (laughs) Marilyn and I were talking about this, that that you're truthing with people with a context of love. You're just working that out for the purpose of loving on them because you desire that they see Christ as they should see them, or see him right now. And so this is not an opportunity to be hypercritical and take a list of these. That's... Completely not Christ-like. But if you do see somebody thinking in a way that isn't aligned with Scripture and they're struggling as a result of that, what hope we can offer to help them renew their thinking in Christ, just as Ephesians 4 talked about. Help them put off and put on and renew their thinking. Uh, How many times have I heard someone say, Oh, my teen is driving me crazy. That's a a cry for help, (laughs) and I know this. I've given that one. My teen, uh, who's going to be ready to just ask good questions to direct my thinking in a way that's biblical? Just help me process it. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills, someone says in a passing conversation, or I am so stressed. I'm so overwhelmed right now. I'm I'm not sleeping well. Do you know what I hear in my mind? There's scripture that gives hope for people who can't sleep well. Do you know how many times David brags about how awesome his God is because he is in the throes of the worst life-threatening situation? He's able to lay his head down on a pillow and sleep? That's not because he doesn't care, it's because his God is so great. What, What if I could ask some questions to kinda see whether or not my friend is thinking that about God or whether maybe he's doubting God's goodness or faithfulness or nearness. God is near, Scripture says. Maybe it's a friend that says, well, uh, hey, it's really a problem, but I can't talk to him about it. It's because uh, he, he'll he never listen. Ooh, this is somebody in our church. This is somebody maybe even in our care group, and you're saying it's a problem, but you can't talk to him about it because he's not teachable, he's not listening, he's not able to... What questions can I ask to try to uncover what his thinking is? And maybe find in scripture something that actually helps. But I have to ask good questions because otherwise I'm tempted to jump into assumptions. Well, you're a jerk, (laughs) or you're wrong. Maybe, maybe Maybe he's not wrong, or she's not wrong. But I'm tempted to listen to a scenario recognize the scenario and believe I'm recognizing the person in that scenario, and that's not right. I need to ask good questions that help direct toward biblical thinking and understand the person in the situation more. Here are some examples, some really easy ones, particularly if it's somebody that knows me. I'm, I'm, it's easy to start off with something general if we don't know where else to go, like, well, hey, man, that's hard. Man, that's tough. Where, where do you think God is in this? What do you think he's up to? What are, what's his purpose? What's his heart in this? Guys, that, that may be the very first time the person had stopped to even wonder where God is in this. And if that's the case, you've just asked a question that directs toward spiritual matters and you're helping them process, oh, um, what would God's heart be in this? And I don't know. Well, let's, can I help with that? How about, what do you, <laughs> maybe somebody is continuing to bring up a, an issue, it's a recurring theme, and, and you say something like, hmm, man, I can understand how that'd be hard. How, how, I'm wondering, how, how are you praying about this right now? When you come to God and ask him for something, what, what comes to mind? How do I pray with you about this? And then let them think about it. Guys, it's my tendency to come and say, you know what we should pray for? (laughs) But these are questions to help people engage in thinking biblically. I don't know. How would I pray about this? What would God be honored for me to come to the throne room to ask him to do regarding this circumstance? You know, that cuts out a lot of non-biblical thinking pretty quickly. Just a few others. Um, Hey, just so I understand you, what sounds like this is really difficult. What do, what do you fear most about this situation? What are you most afraid of happening here if you see that it's eating at them? Get, get it where that's at so you can see how to encourage biblically. What are you hoping for in this situation? You're, you're striving for something. What, what are you hoping for? Just see whether or not you can speak biblically into that. Hey, what do you think God's purpose is for you in this circumstance? Where do you find hope in this circumstance? This seems hopeless in your heart, it sounds like. I can hear it. Where do you go to find hope? I know the church answer is Jesus in the Bible, but really, right now, what do you do right now when you are in despair and you need to go find hope? Sometimes it'll turn to people. Sometimes it'll turn to distractions, Sometimes they'll turn to you and then you have the blessing of trying to help ask questions that put their heart and and hope in in God. How are you shepherding your heart in this? If they are a Christian that is growing, oh, this is hard. Hey, how are you shepherding your heart in this? You're spending time in scripture reading about these things that I could help. Wait, you're not shepherding your heart in this? You're just worrying about it? (laughs) You're not praying about it? You're just worrying about it? Let me help you. Sometimes I need people to ask these questions to me. How are you shepherding your heart? How are you reminding yourself of what is true about God and his goodness and his care for you? And what does it look like to trust God in this situation? So these are just examples. If somebody is making offhand comments that indicates that they're hurting or that they're in despair or that they're confused or that they're annoyed or whatever that is, you know, my boss is a jerk, can suddenly go, wow, what, I wonder, tell me more about what you mean by he's being a jerk. Well, example one, example two, example three. Wow, what do you think God's doing in this circumstance? And you're like, what? what does God have to do with this circumstance? He's just being a jerk. And you think that's, you know, is God doing something here? Is he present? Is he nearer? Or is he just leaving you in the dust with a jerk? We can ask good questions, and again, we have to do this in love. Without love, we become a clanging cymbal, ringing gong, dissonant, missing our purpose for all of these things that we are to do in the body of Christ to help each other grow in Christ-likeness. So notice by asking these questions, you're both learning about their circumstance, how they're processing, how they're thinking about it, how how they think about God, sin, the gospel, hope. And you're also helping them process their situation in light of God's truth. Guys, that's a helpful thing. Even if you're new to Christ, even if you're new and growing to these things, the fact that you're in the battle with somebody, you're not being so critical that you're just like saying, I'm right, you're wrong. That is self-righteousness. That is selfishness. That belongs nowhere in what we're talking about here. These are friendships intentionally built to be able to support, encourage, and grow with people in Christ's likeness. You can help people engage in processing things biblically by asking good questions that are based on biblical truth. So I'd love to grow in that. If you guys have more ideas, more examples, or more, I don't know, a refined way to think about this, come talk to me, I'd love to hear about that. Um, So that's, that is uh, (laughs) the general case of just engaging in conversation. Can I add one one add-on here? If a friend comes to you in a crisis or in a problem and actually asks you for help, can I just, from personal experience, and actually from the experience of many wise people that have counseled me this way, if someone comes to you with a problem, please, 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 I put it down at the bottom of the handout, um, make it your, your, your job first to ask lots of questions to fully understand before jumping to conclusions and offering input. Um, Seek to understand the person, you understand their circumstances, what really happened. Seek to understand their emotions. What, how are you feeling about this? What were you feeling in that moment? That's important, because you may be misreading. What are your thoughts? Now how are you thinking that through? <laughs> Remember Rick's admonition routinely, what, what, do you, what do you feel, what do you think? What do you know to be true? Um, I won't get into all of that now, but that's a good reminder. But you're asking good questions about them so you understand how they're thinking about it. Hey, tell me more about what you did. What were your actions? What are your actions? What actions are you taking? What, what's your behavior? I want to understand that, so I understand your motives behind it. Tell me about your motives. Why? why were you, what were you thinking when that happened? So I can be in that with you and understand why that happened. Guys, before dispensing wisdom, <laughs> Please make sure that every conclusion you've drawn about the person and the circumstance came from them rather than your imagination, as much as possible. That shows love and care, and, and it keeps you from being a, a clanging symbol and not helpful in a circumstance. So the first part is ask good questions. The second part, uh, sorry, to f- fully understand their, them and their circumstance before jumping to conclusions. The second part is then you go up into those other questions. Then ask questions to help the person process the situation biblically and that direct conversation toward biblical thinking. Um, You're you're helping them think rightly about God, rightly about themselves, rightly about their circumstances, rightly about others. Now guys, that sounds like a weighty thing. (laughs) Friends, I'm not asking you to be the Bible answer man to be able to do this. But we do need to have some theological discernment. Let me move on to the listening piece. We're gonna come right back to that, okay? Um, Closing up the, the, the questions. Questions help a person process biblically. Be reminded of biblical truth that they maybe have heard but they don't know how it applies in the moment. Maybe they're having trouble believing it to be true in the moment, and they're working, and it helps people work through the issues with a brother or sister who's blessedly objective outside of it. You can bear the burden with them well without necessarily having to be the one who's bearing it directly. If we're going to ask good questions, and if we're going to get to know people, if we're going to purpose to do that, we have to listen in love. I'm confident that this is something that the Lord is continuing to show me that I need to be a better listener. It's something I need to grow in, particularly in an area where I've dealt with it before and I feel like I have some answers. No. It takes great care and love to be quiet and listen. And so that demonstrates to me that my heart needs to love the person I'm talking to more than I love um, the topic at hand. Does that make sense? Without love, again, you'll listen for selfish motives and you're not gonna hear them as you should. You won't learn about them. Without love, you'll be sorely tempted to jump to those conclusions we were talking about, to quickly dispense wisdom and you risk being that noisy, clanging symbol that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. You could be the most gifted counselor and discipler in the world and still be dissonant with God's purpose here and, and not demonstrate Christ if you don't have love. You need to honor Christ and spur your friends on to be like him, which, by the way, is loving so listen with the intention of learning, understanding, caring for them, learning to care for them. Just a couple of logistical things, good listening skills that even the world knows are true are really important here. I'll just mention them, but um, full attention, give them your full attention when you're talking to them. I don't know what that means for you, maybe just good eye contact, put down your phone, <laughs> watch your body language. It, it talks. Listen actively. Be engaged when they're talking. Give appropriate responses and, and ask clarifying questions. That's, that's still listening. If you don't understand something, it is genuinely caring to someone and say, wait, wait, help me understand what you mean by that. Say that again. Did you mean that you were angry at the moment or that just the situation was angry? What, what did you mean? Listen to understand. Again, I'm going to say it. Every situation is different. Every person is different. So it's easy for me to recognize that and jump, like maybe a situation. I've been there, done that. I mentioned that. Um, But just because the situation looks familiar doesn't mean that I have automatically understood the person in this particular situation. It can be really damaging just to jump in and assume, look, that person was the wrong one. In that case, it's probably this person, and I'm just going to start dispensing (laughs) ideas. I know you probably never do this but I've found myself in that situation before. Don't make assumptions about the person and what they're about. Let that understanding come from them. It takes good listening. Um, Be listening for how they view and think about their life, their circumstances, God, other people, the influence of other people in their lives. Sin and the understanding of sin and the gospel. Brothers, sisters, can I just encourage you? Do not ever make assumptions, and I do this all the time. I love the gospel. It means something a lot deeper and richer to me than it did when I was 12 and was converted. But I too often assume that if you're sitting in the pew next to me that we both understand the gospel deeply. And you may understand that I understand the gospel in a way that maybe I'm still kind of blind to. There are many riches in the gospel, okay? But what I'm really concerned about is when we don't listen well enough and we just assume that this person is A, regenerate and saved, and we jump right into fixing behavior and asking them to do things that can't be done outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, back to sanctification, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, this is not possible. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to dig into the minutia of those things if we're not even sure that they can articulate the freedom that they have from sin in Christ and that they've trusted in that. So be listening for things that may contradict that so that you can offer hope. You can offer care. Proverbs 18, actually Proverbs has a lot to say about listening. (laughs) Read all the Proverbs. That's your homework. Proverbs 18, 13, though, says, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and a shame to him. There's no time more true in that than when we are counseling or discipling or trying to model things for people. So just listen well. Um, Listen for thinking that does not align with God's truth or yet to be renewed in Christ. That's um, this bullet here. Uh, Again, out of love and a desire to do spiritual good to them. Listen for anything that might be out of line. Friends, I would love it if you came to me and said, Chris, you keep saying this, by the way. It makes it, I'm not sure what's in your heart, but it really, talk to me about what you mean when you say that because it sounds like you're doubting God or whatever that is. Never do it out of a critical heart or a self-righteous heart. In the case of friends that you spend time with, by the way, listening or Thinking or listening uh, for their thinking may also mean observing their, their actions, observing their living. If you're hanging out at their home and they say, you know, love your neighbor, love your family, love your brother, and they're not, and you observe that, it's as good as listening, it's observing. Again, not out of a critical heart. But when I am talking to you or you're talking to me and we have this type of relationship, be listening for times when I'm struggling to trust God, for example. Be listening for anxiety or worry. Scripture has something to say about that, so it's pretty clear when I'm out of line there and, and that my, my thought, my thinking about this circumstance can be renewed. And you could help me process that. If I'm fearing bad news, there's actually Scripture that says, <laughs> that talks about the man of God not fearing bad news and Why? So, it'd be pretty obvious that, hey, I, I might be able to help with that. I don't know the answer to that. I may not be even particularly good at that. But I know scripture that I could apply to my heart. I'm gonna be listening for that. Maybe, I, 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 maybe you hear me calling sin something other than sin. And you're like, ooh, that's not what scripture calls it. Scripture calls that sin. And you're thinking, there's no hope for you overcoming this if you don't know that that's sin and you don't call it sin. But if you do call it sin, the effective blood of Christ has been shed to overcome that. And in that, in the work of the Holy Spirit, I have trust. And so I'd love us to get into how to overcome this sin. But we have to be listening. Lack of love for people, selfish responses, all these are opportunities to help engage in helping people process biblically how to be more Christ-like in a loving biblical approach. So your listening and observing well is critical in helping your friends grow in likeness. It helps them serve in love and in an understanding way. It helps you more readily understand the root of problems rather than just the symptoms because you're listening. It helps you interpret the motives of your friend because you know them, you've been listening, rather than jumping to those conclusions. It helps you offer grace to your friend, which we all need because you've been listening. It equips you to, to discern biblically what you see and hear, which is the next step. The last part of what we want to talk about is discerning biblically. Oh, again, all this is happening at once in, in many cases, but if you want to think about it as you ask good questions, you listen carefully, and make sure you're not mapping ideas onto them that they're not, that's caring. But we need to discern biblically. Now we've had a lot of conversation up to this point about what that means. I'll refer you back to week three if you wanna to listen to that. I think that was role that spoke on how to concern, how to consider whether or not our counsel, our approach to giving advice, our processing of these things is biblical. Gave a number of good questions to work through. Um, but to discern biblically, here are, here are some things to think about. First, you. Our goal here is to interpret what you hear in light of a biblical worldview, not in light of the world's wisdom. By the way, nobody acts, nobody advises on, on raw data, on raw information. We all interpret. What's your interpretive grid? Is it your gut? Is it your intuition? Is it your clever ideas on life? Is it your ability to just engage people and make them feel good and build them up? We are to consider the information that we hear and actually purposefully turn to the Word of God and turn to prayer and submit ourselves to God's understanding and interpret it in light of the truth of God's revealed Word in light of the gospel. Proverbs 3 5 through 7, it's very familiar to many of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There's no time more important to do that. I mean, it's true all the time, but particularly if you're about to interpret somebody else's circumstance and offer any sort of insight, put your reasoning aside that is worldly and that is firstly from you. Submit yourself to the Lord How do we do that? Number one, pray. Recognize that you need the Spirit to do His work of illumination in your heart and the heart of the person that you're talking to with truth, God's truth. Be renewed in your thinking means we have to put off the old way of thinking. It actually says it right there in Ephesians 4. Don't keep walking around like the Gentiles do in a darkened understanding. This isn't how you learned Christ. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in Christ. It's being recreated in Christ all the time. It's Put that on. Then go after it. So ask yourself in the discernment process. First you pray. Then you ask yourself, is there something missing or off base in my friends thinking? that scripture addresses directly or in principle, in what ways is my friends thinking not reflecting that he is in this moment understanding and believing God's truth? In this moment, in what way is he struggling? He or she is struggling to believe God's truth. Maybe they don't know what God's truth is about sleeping at night (laughs) or how to deal with anxiety practically in this moment. He's done that in his marriage, but he hasn't learned it in the parenting. Or he's done that in his job, but he hasn't done that with this issue over here. Man, how can I help? Is there something missing? And you ask that question, what is it? Secondly, or third, I guess you pray, you ask yourself, and then you, you, you take the time to identify the biblical issues at hand. Can, you, can I just remind you, we, we need to identify the biblical issues at hand. This means that we have to remind ourselves to use biblical terms. Describe problems in ways that Scripture puts it. We in pop culture, uh, we've already talked about this multiple times, so I won't get into it, but we, we like to put new terms on things, and they're terms that aren't biblical because they tend to not call it sin. And if sin's not the problem, it, this, this, is the, this is the story here. God came to redeem sinners, sanctify them, turn them from vessels of dishonor, to honor enemies, to actual heirs to the kingdom. So sin is the issue. But if we're not using biblical terms, then it's really hard to find biblical answers. Now, I don't mean map things incorrectly, but Scripture addresses everything for life and godliness. We've heard that a lot recently, and it's so important in this case. Remind yourself to use biblical terms if you hear a friend that keeps saying, oh, "I am so frustrated." I understand that. I can relate to that. I go to scripture and I go to my concordance or I <laughs> and I look up all the words that could mean frustrated. You know what? I'm going to get frustrated by that. There there aren't many. Anger. That's addressed pretty well. We can grow in our understanding of anger. I'm impatient. Oh, there's a lot about patience. But we we create words that kind of take the responsibility off of ourselves and they don't call it sin. We make it a condition or a disease or a label and then we take the hope away from people that Christ gives hope beyond themselves to overcome that because he died and the Holy Spirit is actively working. So, Identify the biblical issue at hand. And then, can I tell you this? Bear the burden with them yourself. Ask yourself, how does that scripture, I identified some biblical issues here. Let let me go review those. Let me go study those. Let me bear this by asking God to teach me about what he has to do with this circumstance. I'm grieving. My friend is grieving because his mom is dying of cancer and he doesn't know how to deal with it and he came to me and said, how do I process this? Worst thing I can do is say, well, let me give you my 10 step process, I know this one. No, bear the burden, encourage him. I encourage him, I pray with him, I ask him biblical questions about what God's in this and then I go home and I take it with me. I take homework home with me. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. I read through scripture and find encouragement in that heaviness. I, help, I ask the Lord to teach me so that I can somehow be a blessing to somebody else going through it, even if I've never been through it, although I have lost a parent to cancer, so maybe I should know something. Right? The Lord gave me that. But I'm going to take that home, and then I'm going to grow, I'm going to pray about it now I have a platform with this discipleship friendship that I can text him later and follow up. Man, I'm praying for you. By the way, here's what I'm praying for you. Here's a passage. Hey, I want to encourage you with this. I'm, I'm growing in this. I hope you are too. Next time, next time you see that person at church or in your care group or at work or wherever you are, follow up. Hey, can I pray with you? How are you? You're in it. Um, so you, you bear the burden with them and you think, how can I help my friend now renew their thinking? By the way, can I just, there's a comment here. Don't try to address everything in the moment. That's why I call it homework, take-home follow-up. <laughs> Please, don't be Bible answer man. That's not your goal, to just have the answer in the moment. The two most important things, and I've heard this in a lot of counseling classes too, but if someone comes to you or if they're struggling with something or they're not thinking rightly about something, one of the most important things you can do is just give them hope and tell them they're not alone. Brothers and sisters, can you please do that with each other? We have hurts in this church that aren't left to just the professionals to be with them in, right? It's everybody's job. Give them hope, real hope. Show them the eternal value and perspective in God's purpose in things. And then tell them they're not alone. God is near, and I'm right here. I struggle with this, it gets burdensome, it gets heavy. I'll just remind you of a couple of the topics that we've already talked about, but please remember, you are not bearing this, bear this burden biblically. Remember that your hope is in Christ too. Your hope for their change and their help is in the effective work of God. You're co-laboring in the sense that you're doing what you've been called to do, but your hope is in the Lord to do this. And the moment you start to despair or feel it's too heavy, Take the time to pray and renew your thinking. Put on Christ. Remember, he is your hope. He is, he is their hope. So don't try to deal with it all in the moment. Uh, ask some good questions Understand. Ask good questions that direct their, their thinking to biblical truth. Encourage them with whatever biblical truth that you're speaking of there. Pray with them in biblical terms and then go home and, and, and work on it. Practice it. Learn it. If you've never dealt with this before, it's, a, it's an invitation. It's a personal invitation from God that he dropped on your doorstep. Someone once said, God doesn't get the wrong address. Put it on your doorstep so that you can grow in understanding what God has to do with that type of circumstance, even if you've never been in that circumstance. I think too often we dismiss ourselves because I've never been through that. Do you have access to this, and are you growing in how to read it? If so, it has everything for life and godliness. This doesn't make you the expert. It makes this the expert, and you're demonstrating that. You're just pointing them to it and helping them process that. What a glorious calling, amen? Let's purpose to grow in that. Considering your response, I've got one minute. (laughs) I'm just going to direct your attention to a couple of things here. Considering your response, whether it's on the spot, um, and and you're, you're trying to figure out what is most needed right now. Or maybe you're at home and you're praying about this and following up later. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is is an interesting one. It's a good one. It's an important one. Um, We just need to realize there are many categories of response. Ultimately, we need to encourage and direct their thinking to biblical thinking, but when it comes to engaging more life on life and further into this, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, we urge you, brethren, admonish the idle or the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak. And with all of these, be patient. That's such instructive help when we are bearing burdens with each other to know that we need to check. There are different categories of response. Sometimes we need to just outright admonish lovingly, but admonish people. But sometimes that's not appropriate and we need to encourage because their hearts are faint. And the admonishment would not be serving well in that moment. Other times we need to help people because they're weak. They can't walk on their own. We need to help prop them up and walk with them for a while because they're weak. Help. That's our calling. That's my response. But in all of these, we need to be patient. Patient, patient, loving, caring, body of Christ. That's a study in and of itself. I really encourage you that if you're in circumstances right now that you're encouraging and bearing burdens with other people, make it make that a study. By the way, can I go back to the homework thing for a moment? I like to advise people, if you're bearing a burden with someone or if someone says something really harsh and you're going to try to figure out how to help them deal with that graciously and biblically or whatever the circumstance is and you're at home thinking about this, it's not wrong to postpone whatever your quiet time study is and make that your quiet time for the next few days. Make that your area of fellowship with the Lord your area of prayer with the Lord. Ask him to, beg him to grow you in that. If you have to get behind on your annual Bible reading plan for two weeks or a week, God, God's called you to this. It's okay. Finish it on January 17th or whatever. You know. um, it's okay. Now I'm not saying don't be diligent in what you're doing, but it's okay. Many times I'll postpone what I'm doing in my regular quiet times to be able to bear a burden well. And the Lord uses that to grow me in the ways that maybe my normal process would not have. So considering what is most needed, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, considering how to respond. Let me just give you a few uh, just practical things. Again, Proverbs 15 has a lot to say about this um, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In verse 1. Verse 2, the tongue of a wise of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. Gets a bridle on that tongue and lets us listen. Verse 4, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perver- perversion in it crushes the spirit. Verse 28, though, the heart of a righteous of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Considering how to answer or somebody that's bent on self or other things in the world would, would pour out things that are not helpful. How to respond. Speak truth. Love requires you to speak truth. <laughs> truth requires you to be loving. I think that was Paul Tripp that said that. Ephesians, back to Ephesians 4, and we'll close on this. We're a couple minutes after, so we'll close on Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians um, 4.29. I I refer to this often, but because of that whole path of speaking truth, practical outworkings of putting off, renewing your thinking, putting on, there's an element there that our sanctified engagement with people would operate this way. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But listen to the timeliness of this. But only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Grace in the form of admonishing when necessary, but only when necessary. Encouragement, help, patience. So when considering how to respond, remember uh, your your hope is in Christ and is his, his affectious work, the work of the Holy Spirit. Your, your truth comes from this and you can engage in that. And you're inviting these conversations with people so that when the time comes, you've got a relationship with them, you can bear that. And guess what, they will likely encourage you and bear it with you just as much because you're engaged in this. It's a two-way street, discipleship is. I'm often more spurred on and, and encouraged by the people I'm discipling than they are with me. I'm confident of that sometimes. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I know that there are many unanswered questions, and I didn't leave time for questions. I apologize. If you do have thoughts and follow-up, engage with each other, and please engage with me. Ask